0: So the evening of our first full day of practice together, mm. and uh, really like to offer appreciation of your practice today. We've we've noticed how uh, quiet and still this hall feels during today. It feels kind of has anybody else noticed that? It's kind of unusual for the first first day of a big retreat. So much appreciation of your practice. Uh, uh, and of course, it, it may not have felt quiet and still inside, you know. Uh, and, and of, you know, that's no surprise, is it? You know, it's such a change of gear for most of us to come on retreat, isn't it? And we can often feel the, the momentum of our lives that we kind of, when we stop <laughs> somewhat suddenly, and the kind of momentum continues in thoughts and kind of waves of hindrance patterns, you know, the sleepiness, the restlessness, the, uh, the craving, the aversion, and the doubt, you know, um, which often comes up when our strategies for dealing with the other hindrances don't feel like they're working, you know. Uh, but so important not to overlook all the wholesome qualities that we're cultivating in the midst of those just by being here, just by committing to sitting and walking, you know, the patience, the the willingness to begin again, the, the sense of kindness that we kind of can keep renewing as we do this, the kindness to each other, the support for each other, the sense of humour. Felt around this afternoon, and you know, just noticing at the end of this this first day, you know, is there a belief that somehow your experience should be different from how it is? You know, often we add the words "by now." You know, (laughs) it's like, (laughs) Uh, and just what's it like? Just to allow, to practice allowing our experience to be as it is. To practice letting go of the opinions and the verdicts, you know, and the measuring, you know, the comparing with some imagined standard of how it should be. Any anybody recognize that? You know? (laughs) know, The kind of verdicts we can come to, oh, I can't do this, this is not for me, the voices of doubt often. And of course they may arise, but can we practice not Attaching to them, not believing them. Seeing how, you know, to, to kind of believe them is, is really to volunteer for suffering, you know. A, a, an optional kind of suffering, you know. So just to really, you know, practice allowing this day to have been as it's been. Allowing your mind and body to be as they are. You know, this is so... Uh, this is so kind of core to to the practice, you know. and the support that we can have for that from this grounding in the body, you know, this sensed awareness of the body that really, as the Kinchener said this morning, is the the foundation of this whole path, you know. As the Buddha puts it in the Satipatthana Sutta, knowing the body as the body. At least that's one translation. We could say the the kind of bodiness of the body. Knowing it experientially rather than through our thoughts and judgments and images. Right? Sensing it. And just an invitation as you sit here now and during this, this talk, you know, Invitation to keep at least fifty percent of your attention sensing the body, you know, you know, ninety eight percent if you like, you know, just to sense actually how that supports being present. And you know, really to trust. Uh, can you hear? By the way, is it is it all okay? Yeah. Uh, to trust, you know, the Buddha's teaching that that the whole Dharma can be found in the body. Sitting here in your seat, you know. That kind of respect for the body that can present the most in a certain way the most simple teachings and the most profound teachings. And the the support for that being this this practising sustaining this sensing of the body through the different postures and activities of the day like we've spoken about you know through the postures of walking and standing and sitting and lying down and uh, Jaya gave uh, enlightened me with a a fifth posture which is (laughs) in-betweening you know know, really paying attention to the in-betweening moments what is it to, to, to practice that sustaining of this embodied awareness and sustaining through the activities of the day? The, the, the formal practice, but also you know the, the eating, the drinking, the doing the yogi job, the just sitting with a cup of tea, the resting, you know, the being in the bathroom, doing what we do there. You know, the Buddha invites us to include it all, to let sensed awareness of the body be our cultivation through it all. Very, very supportive, and and it is it is a craft. You know, the Buddha the Buddha lived in a in a culture of crafts, and and speaks about mindfulness of the body as a craft, and crafts take. Patience and they take practice. Uh, and they often kind of benefit from a certain sense of playfulness as well. We can make this so serious, you know. And that's not helpful. You know, what is it to bring a playfulness to our practice? A curiosity, a, a trying things out, you know. And it's a craft that as as we've been, been saying today. Really is oriented to this mindfulness of the body, oriented to a deep listening, listening to the body. akincheno described it as attuned relationship. you know what does that attunement takes? It takes really being willing to listen, to receive the sensations of the body. Sometimes we can have a sense of kind of pushing the awareness into the body. That's this vitaka gesture that I was speaking about this afternoon, kind of directing the attention. But can there also be this vichara, this listening, this sensitivity to what is, after all, a living system? This is not some kind of mechanical machine. It's, it's, it's a living being that invites uh, that kind of care and respect and listening. Like a healer, you know, like a healer who was trying to track a pulse. You know, with that sort of care, that sort of listening. Does it make sense? Can you feel that as you sit here now? This sense of mindfulness as a, as a kind of receptivity, a deep listening. It's actually, you know, supportive of a quietening of the mind, the pushing. Got to get to the breath, get to the breath. You know, there's an effort in there that's maybe unnecessary. You know, and Akincheno mentioned this in the guided meditation this morning, the Buddha's image of mindfulness of the body being like holding a bird, holding a quail in the palms of one's hands. And finding that way of holding that is neither too tight, that it kind of squeezes the life out of the, the experience, nor too loose so that it just flies away. You know, can we refine our listening to this body in that, with that kind of sensitivity? You know? And there's something here about trusting the body's natural intelligence you know the body and the heart they know how to release and unbind if they're given supportive conditions you know it's not something we have to do so much as allow by by providing supportive conditions providing enough safe grounding providing enough kind of warm, friendly presence, listening. Providing enough sense of allowing for the body to kind of re-regulate itself. What is it to trust this body? To trust, to practice trusting this body? And the Buddha really speaks to this kind of listening, this, this sensitivity in, in his instructions on mindfulness of breathing in the Satipatthana Sutta and the Anapanasati Sutta, the Sutta on Breathing, he, he, he speaks about breathing in. Well, the, the, the Pali is which kind of means all the body, feeling all the body back together. Feeling all the body back together. Translated sometimes as breathing insensitive to the entire body. Breathing out sensitive to the entire body. We can, we can easily kind of, if we're used to having a particular kind of primary anchor for our attention, the breath and the nostrils though, you know, breath in the belly. We can almost kind of hurry to that, and and sometimes forget that it's the body breathing. You know, what is it to linger with this sensitivity to the entire body? Can you sense that right now? You know, this whole body, this this sense of the whole body as a field of energy and sensation. That way of perceiving body. Yeah? Practicing sensitivity to it. Practicing the next line, which is breathing in, calming the bodily formations. Breathing out, calming the bodily formations. This, this word formation, the word sankhara that may be familiar to Many of you sometimes translated as formation, we could think of it as activations or even the kind of programs like a computer 's program that programs that kind of run off don 't they and you may have felt the, the bodily sankharas today in kind of restlessness or sleepiness or you know, that thought and that project comes up, or that regret comes up, and you can feel the kind of jumpiness in the nervous system, right? What is it to, to practice? You know, breathing in a way that calms, breathing in a way that smooths and soothes this, this uh, nervous system. You know, particularly at this stage in the retreat you know really to lean into practices of samatha and samadhi of calming and collecting you know this suggestion of perceiving samadhi as collectedness often it gets translated as concentration which which i find it's it's kind of suggests a certain tightness in a certain way you know we've been told to concentrate at school often. Actually the verb in Pali means to collect to gather. It's much more this whole body collectedness you know? and, and really to, to make that you know, our, our practice and intention our practice and intention and to be interested in what supports this karmic that's something to play with. What, what supports calming? Be curious about that. One of the, the things we may notice is that attitude really supports calming, doesn't it? If the attitude is, it shouldn't be like this, it's not going to produce much calm, is it? You know? If the attitude is, is kind of judgmental or aversive, that's going to agitate. What about the attitude of appreciation? Appreciation and enjoyment. You know, the, the Buddha said a skilled practitioner cultivates a sense of enjoyment. Cultivates a sense of enjoyment. Enjoyment not just as a fruit of the practice, but as an a conscious cultivation. You know? And isn't this part of the the art or the craft of retreat that can can really transform the experience of being on retreat? You know, you know just to notice the difference between the perception it's been a difficult day and there are six more to go, you know. <laughs> the difference between that and what can I appreciate that's here right now? What, what beauty can I appreciate in nature? Can I appreciate the sense of unpressurized space that's here? No demands, you know, yes, yeah, and thumbs up <laughs> here up front. Can I appreciate just the kindness that is just abundant here, you know? The sense of generosity that produces this delicious food, you know, that takes care of our needs. You know? Probably most of us don't have people at home just <laughs> doing that for us, you know. And what is it really to, to use this you know, word again, to bask in that, to, to, to really orient to that which is lovely here that which is abundant in blessings here, and and really to make much of that. Really to make much of that. The Buddha's images for this kind of embodied enjoyment are usually watery images. He talks about soaking and saturating in enjoyment. What is it really to kind of marinate... In, in the loveliness that's here to you know? so notice the difference between that and craving you know craving craving has an agenda for something that's not here doesn't it it's a, it should be different it's a, based on an ideology of lack and insufficiency isn't it and we can feel how that activates the the Kaya Sankaras, the, the bodily activations, isn't it? Craving, you know, is activates. Appreciation, we could say regulates. You know, the biologists would say it's it's homeostatic. It takes us back towards balance, towards a calming, towards a collecting, towards a gathering. You know, it's appreciating what's already here, you know what's already here, what's already here in this environment, what's already here in this breath. What is it to to bring an attitude of appreciation and enjoyment into the intimacy of mindfulness of body, mindfulness of breathing? To really appreciate the freshness of this in-breath the release of this out-breath. Really to appreciate just the quiet okayness of hands, you know, or of feet, the touch of the lips, the sense of the silence. To find that which is enjoyable and really to make a practice of enjoying it. Noticing that that practice can coexist, can be alongside discomfort and, and unpleasant sensations in the body or in the mind. Do we notice that, you know, that, that uh, so easily what happens when there's unpleasantness around is the kind of attention that we pay it amplifies it, doesn't it? Kind of pumps it up, you know. And yes, you know, as we've been saying, there's an important dimension of practice which is turning towards that which is difficult. But an equally important dimension of practice, perhaps an even more important dimension of practice, is to practice also not always giving attention to that which is difficult. To really find the, the domains of our experience, the aspects of our experience that are okay that are comfortable, that are steadying, that are nourishing, that are pleasant. And really to lean into those, to make much of those. Really to to prioritize, particularly at this time in the retreat, resourcing. Really resourcing. Does, Does that make sense? You know? To, to find those parts of the body that are really okay. The feet, the seat, the hands. You know, you, your feet are probably not anxious. The soles of your feet are probably not anxious. The, the sit bones are not reliving that argument from last week. You know, your hands are not judging you. This is useful to know, you know, because these parts of the body may be caught up in those kind of dramas. Yeah? But actually to know where is okay and really to make much, as a practice, to make much of those, to appreciate them. To notice, and this will be familiar to some of us, that, that vedana, vedana, the feeling tone of experience... Depends on the attitude as much as anything. The quiet okayness of the hands, when appreciated, can become pleasant, you know, can even become very pleasant. You know? to, to sense, this is about the kind of conscious participation in the fabrication of our experience by choosing what we give attention to, how we perceive it, what we wish to cultivate in relation to it. Oh yeah, a real invitation. And the body can teach us. The body can teach us. You know. So a real invitation to find those parts of embodied experience that are soothing, calming, steadying, settling, resourcing. You know. Enjoyable. As we discover that, that, that pain and discomfort whether physical or emotional, don't have an objective or fixed size or intensity within consciousness. Does that make sense? That, that pain and discomfort don't have an objective, fixed size or intensity within consciousness depends so much on how they're perceived and what we're cultivating in the midst of them. And the Buddha described this as protective, the Buddha described this mindfulness of the body as protective, and he often, as I say, uses these images of 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 water and soaking. So one of the protective images he uses is like the body, mindfulness of the whole body, like a jug filled with water to the brim. That. Mara can't invade because the body is filled with appreciative awareness to the brim. Or compares this appreciative awareness of the body to being like a, a, a kind of ball of soap powder that is soaked and saturated and drenched. You know. could think of like a bath sponge, you know, filled with water. And the Buddha's imagery is often just not just for illustration, but I think for medita- meditative kind of practice and just as you sit here now to have that sense of what, you know, what is it to play with the perception of this body soaked and saturated in friendly awareness appreciative awareness every cell every pore can that be enjoyable the Buddha invites this this sense of the elemental nature of the body. So the wateriness of the body as kind of fluidity and liquidity and cohesion. That's why the images for Samadhi are often watery ones, the cohesive quality. The earth element, The weight, the solidity, the density in the body. Can you feel it right now? The weight of the limbs. Often we, you know, our culture sends us up, doesn't it? Our culture sends us into, we might say more, the air element, which is the movement, which is kind of more disembodied, right? And... Busyness sends us up. To-do lists send us up. Social media sends us up. You know, what is it? The poet Rilke said, "Patiently trust your own heaviness." Like a meditation instruction, isn't it? You know, really to practice trusting, allowing our own heaviness, to linger with that, to play with that sense. It's this the kind of wisdom of grounding. The Buddha's doing it here, you know, touching the earth on the night of his awakening in the face of Mara's attempts to obstruct, you know, touching the earth. You know, what is it really to let our sit bones ground us? The weight of the legs ground us. Ajahn Sachito sometimes says, you know, the safe direction is Downwards. You know? And that vertical midline that we were speaking about earlier today—it's a kind of grounding orientation. Because you know? without enough ground, without enough earth element, aren't we just kind of spun around and activated by this thing coming into, you know, the inbox or the phone or, you know, watching the news or that difficult conversation or those things to do? And we just can be just spun around, and we hold it all in our flesh, don't we? These are the kaya Sankaras. This is part of what we're encountering on the first days of re- retreat, how much charge there has been held in the body, you know. And it's almost like as we settle onto retreat and really linger with the contact with ground, with earth, with that which absorbs, you know. It's like the, plugging the lightning conductor into the earth, you know. So there's a char- chance for the charge to kind of drain out and for the, the nervous system, we could say, to re-regulate safe ground, you know. That's what our nervous systems are generally looking for, you know, enough safe ground that enables them to re-regulate. And so, you know, if, if, if you did nothing other than ground for the next six days, it probably would be time well spent, you know. We, we, most of us, our culture, we don't get enough of it, you know. So if in doubt, you know, over these days, it's a good place to go. The soles of the feet, the presence of the tailbone. You know? And we sense how this is a, a perceiving, it's a way of perceiving the experience we call body that invokes this kind of energetic quality. So we've had watery quality invoked by the perception of the, the liquidity of the body. You know, the, the biochemists tell us we're mostly water anyway, we're mostly liquid. We sense the solidity of the body. The fire element, which is the heat and coolness of the body. We can sense that, can't we? Both in the kind of activations that think oh, should have done that, I want to get that, you know. That kind of hot quality that the Buddha often used the fire imagery for, you know. And he, he spoke about the practice of cooling, being a cooling, nibbanaing ing is cooling. <laughs> you know? But he also spoke about the fire of ardency and commitments and inspiration. We could think of the warm heart, the warmth of appreciation and generosity. You know? The air element, which is any kind of motion you know, in the body. Obviously, particularly the breathing. But, but also, when we sense anywhere in the body, we can start to notice, oh, air element, in that there's movement and change. Right? Your sense of the body as process, as verb, rather than noun. <laughs> Body bodying rather than something fixed. This is the air element showing itself through this kind of in this way of playing with perception. The Buddha also spoke about the element of space, which is a one that many of us could do with more of in our lives. And here it is, just to really value space external and internal. What is it to practice perceiving the body as filled with space? After all the physicists tell us that our bodies are mostly space, don't they? Do you know. We sense here, you know, what we're doing is we're, we're playing with perceptions of these elements. And this is a very archetypal kind of transcultural lens, isn't it? The lens of the elements. But the, the Buddha... You know, it says, make your mind like the elements. We could say, practice cultivating the perceptions of the elements. Maybe we can sense how doing that can support this rebalancing, this calming, this settling. You know, We, we may notice what happens when we do give the body enough grounding, Ah, something calms. We, we sense how the elements can often get out of balance. You know, If there's not enough grounding, often the, the, there's this kind of frozen quality. You know, we're, we're uptight in the body, aren't we? You know? uh, and when there's enough ground, it's almost like the body can, and some of you may have sensed it today, the body kind of unfreezing and becoming more fluid, becoming more soft, yeah uh, and and just to feel okay and when there's enough ground the the liquid element in the body is able to be more soft and flowing the air element gets uncramped when there's enough ground doesn't it you know the breath is more able to flow when there's enough ground you know Sometimes, of course, we can have too much ground. So when, there's, when we're very sluggish, it feels like, oh, it's all just heaviness, you know. Or there are mental states, you know, certain kinds of depression can feel like it's all heavy. What might be needed to balance that? Well, perhaps some more fluidity in the walking practice or perhaps more air element, really valuing breath or... Inspiration, you know, reconnecting what inspires, you know, when I'm feeling sluggish, you know, opening to the sense of space. So, you know, the, 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 the elements, just inviting you, if you choose, to make these part of your play in practice to play with these perceptions, to sense how they can support uh, uh, a calming, a balancing, a collecting. D- does this make sense? You know, just you could even just do a scan right now, what which of the elements feel most kind of predominant right now? What might support collectedness in this moment? Is it more ground or is it more kind of breath and air and that kind of aliveness? To so play with these as 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 tools, part of the craft, part of the craft of samadhi, part of the craft of mindfulness of the body. What what's what's supportive of collectedness you know? and this is all you know what we're doing here is we're choosing perceptions that are in the service of what we're trying to cultivate yeah. and we can sense how bodily experience is always changing isn't it you know the play of the elements is always changing you know, the Buddha invites us again and again in the Teachings on mindfulness and mindfulness of the body to notice arising and passing away within the body, to notice change, and in the light of that, also to notice that we don't own the elements of the body. You know, the in the sutta, the uh, Sutta on Mindfulness, Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha Buddha states that in this body there are the earth element, the water element, the fire element. the air. It's got got a kind of cool, non-personal language, that, hasn't it? In this body there are these elements. The sense that the, the, the body is a process of changing elements. Not me, not mine, just elements changing. There's no basis in the elements changing for a sense of self, permanent self. There's just changing elements. Because, of course, the elements don't belong to us, they belong to nature. Buddha, in one of the suttas, really encourages the recognition of these elements. Uh, As both internal and external, the earth element, the sense of solidity in our internal experience is not separate from the solidity in that which surrounds us, is it? Nor is the water element, nor is the heat or coolness the fire element, the air element, the space element. This is a a contemplation that really highlights the Buddhist teaching of anatta, not self, not me, not mine, just elements, just nature. So there's an invitation to give the body back to nature. Ajahn Buddhadasa, one of the great Thai. Forest masters of the last century said this body came out of nature, is part of nature, never departed from nature and belongs to nature. So give it back to nature. This will be a big relief for you, he says. He used to describe taking the body as me or mine as misappropriation of public property. (laughs) And of course you know, that reflection of just the continuity of the elements of this body with, with all of life, you know. It, it awakens us to the ecological nature of which we're an inseparable part, doesn't it? You know, one, one dimension of this is really, you know, to, to, to acknowledge these great elements, this, as some of the suttas call them, these great elements that are the, the kind of constituents of life. I was very moved at the start of this year that uh, the, uh, the group Extinction Rebellion, which will be known to some of you for their extraordinary, courageous activism in the face of the climate emergency, they, it moves me to, to talk about it, they began... The year with seven days dedicated to the five elements and then to so, water, sorry, earth, water, fire, air, space, biodiversity, climate. You know, they said for our activism to come from a wise place, we need to honor these sacred elements. You know, for our activism this year to come from a wise place. We need to honour these sacred elements that are the constituents of life. You know? So in a certain way, we're kind of offering this, this lens of the elements, not as a, as, you know, a scientific, this is not about having to, to kind of talk in scientific terms. What we're talking here is experiential, perceptual terms that are supportive of Our calming, our collecting, our insight, and our honouring, our honouring, and our awakening. You know, because part of what we see is that that these elements are not solid entities. They're, they're not ultimate realities in ourselves, in themselves. They're, they're, if you like, empty of inherent solidity and substantiality. These are ways of looking. These are perceptions that invoke experiences. Does that make sense? Can you see that? That, that when, we're, when we're perceiving the earth element in the body... Perceiving its weight, something is gets constellated, doesn't it? We start to experience in that way. Or when on the walking path, th- does that make sense? Can you feel that? You know, looking for the earth element, looking for the density, something gets highlighted, experience gets shaped by perception in that way. Or if you're on your walking path and you have a sense, okay, water element flowing along this walking path. You know, and we're choosing to perceive in certain ways, to practice a certain way of looking, and actually with practice it starts to feel like that. It starts to be experienced like that. You know? Perceiving the body in terms of heat, or coolness, or motion, or space. You know? We could say these, these are just perceptions, which is true, but... Part of what we can notice is how perception fabricates experience. Perception creates experience, doesn't it? And this is the kind of radical truth of the Buddha's teachings of emptiness. You know, we see the, the kind of radical groundlessness of what we call body. This is a quote from a from Joan Tollifson, a Zen teacher. She said, in sitting quietly and listening to the body without explanations or ideas, I discovered that there is no body. If there's just listening and experiencing, what is the body? Where is it? Where does it begin and end? Meditation reveals that the body is a mirage that appears and disappears in imagination. It seems solid when we think about it, or if we look in a mirror and think, or look at another person and think. But in sitting quietly, we can experience the body as permeable, borderless, empty space and we can experience how nothing is separate from this space Do we get some sense of that. You know, that that in our deepening practice of the bod- mindfulness of the body there's, there's both a knowing as the Buddha puts it knowing the body sitting, standing, walking, lying down, doing activities, breathing. And an unknowing that's required. And a letting go of some of our familiar beliefs about what this body is. In allowing this body to be more mysterious, allowing the experience of what we call body to be more mysterious and plural, Many, many different mirages <laughs> and uh, groundless than we usually take it to be. Yes, grounding and also groundless. <laughs> does, does this make some sense? You know, Groundless and, and empty in the sense of one of the meanings of emptiness, dependent on the way of perceiving. And all the assumptions and conceptions that are implicit in that way of perceiving and looking. The Buddha compared perception to a mirage. The body he compared to a bubble of foam on a river. Interesting, huh? so i guess part of what i'm wanting to invite is is a curiosity about this experience of body a kind of radical unknowing and interest in how this body shows up <laughs> how this experience that we call body manifests appears you know to sense how it reveals and this is this is perhaps part of what the Buddha means by saying all the Dharma can be learnt through mindfulness of the body. That the body reveals the profound and radical truth about the nature of all experience. That experience appears according to the way of looking in the moment. And the assumptions and conceptions implicit in that, just to say it again. not saying this as something we've got to believe, as a, as a kind of telling you how it is, but as an invitation to explore, as a hypothesis to play with as you sit and walk and practice in the beautiful way that you've been doing today. Just to end with a, a, a quotation from Ajahn Mun, who's the kind of Spiritual great-great-grandfather of most of us practicing today, one of the great Thai forest masters, he said this, In your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature. See the elements that comprise it. See the impermanence, the selflessness of the body, while sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of the heart can shine forth, timeless and delivered. That be so for you. Let's just take a few moments to appreciate this body sitting here, breathing. Thank you for your attention. And uh, time now for some walking practice. So take this body for a walk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.